a teacher wanted her class to do a spring project. Flowers were blooming, the, the birds were chirping, the things just seemed to be coming to life in the schoolyard. So the teach, a teacher had a project for her students, and she gave each of them an empty plastic egg. And they had a pro, as part of this project, they were to go out and fan out over the schoolyard and find evidences of new life. Evidence that with the springtime, new life had come. But it wasn't supposed to be just anything. New life was supposed to be symbolized in what they brought back. So while all the kids spread out over the schoolyard, Billy just sat on the sidewalk, staring at his empty egg. The teacher didn't bother Billy about this. The teacher didn't uh, tell him, Billy, you're not doing what I told you to do. You're not doing what was asked of you. The teacher knew that Billy had just lost his grandpa that week. She figured that Billy, as he just looked at that empty egg, he was just thinking about that. About maybe he was just sad. Maybe he was just worried. Would he ever see his grandpa again? So as the kids filed back into the classroom and the teacher was kind of concerned when, when they came to Billy, maybe she would just pass over him. Maybe she would just uh, not worry about it. One of the kids, it was their turn, and they opened up their egg, and they'd found a flower. Obviously, a flower, a budding flower, after a long winter is an evidence of new life had sprung. Another child, it was their opportunity to show their egg, and they opened it up and out crawled a caterpillar. And all the girls squealed, and, and the next kid's thinking, mine's going to be even better. He opens his egg and out flies a moth. All the girls are panicking now and the teacher along with them. So they get everything settled down and the kids one by one keep showing what they brought. And the teacher just decided, she just decided, I'm just going to pass over Billy because I watched Billy the whole time. And Billy didn't go out and get anything and put it in his egg. And so she's wrapping up the assignment and about to move on to the next thing. And Billy stopped and he said, wait. It's my turn. You forgot about me. She's like, okay, Billy, um, what would you like to share with us? Billy opens up his hand and opens up the egg, and he says, it's empty. The teacher says, well, Billy, what does that tell us about new life? He said, because the tomb was empty. And because the tomb was empty, Billy knew I didn't lose my grandpa. My grandpa went to be with Jesus because the tomb was empty. Because he knew his grandpa knew Jesus. And Billy also knew, excitedly, because the tomb was empty, that he would see his grandpa again. Because the tomb is empty... We know that eternal life is possible. All because the tomb is empty. 
Because the tomb is empty, Jesus' followers knew eventually that Jesus' death, eventually they realized, eventually he showed them and he reminded them that Jesus' death was all a part of God's plan because the tomb was empty. But here's the deal. Maybe I looked at this a little bit more cynically this week. Maybe I, I just felt a little bit more pain. Maybe I felt a little bit more with the perplexity, the confusion of the people at the tomb. With all the talk about Jesus living, he still died. There was still a lot of pain. His followers were still sad for a time. His followers expected that he was going to stay dead. Just like everything else does. That dies. It was really confusing at first when the tomb was empty. It was the third of the worst days of their life. By the time the women came over, came to the tomb on that morning. They thought that all that they knew about life and eternal life was over and had been rewritten with Jesus' death. There might have been some wondering, why was it, even after they realized that Jesus was alive, why was it that it had to take place in this way? Why did there have to be fear? Why did there have to be confusion? Why did Jesus have to die and be laid in a tomb? Couldn't God provide salvation for mankind by Jesus like winning the ultimate tickle fight or something? Of course not. Why is that? And the answer to why is because death is what had to be dealt with. Because death was caused by sin. And Jesus was raised from the dead to show that he paid for our sin. He paid the penalty of sin by dying. And he was raised to show that sin and death had been conquered by the giver of life. On that first Easter morning, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of wondering, what in the world is going on right now? What happened to the natural laws that I knew? What happened to the way that things are supposed to, to, to work? What happened to the box that I had put God in, that I thought I understood who God was? What happened to the ideas that I held of what God would or would not do? I, I'm, I'm thinking that most of the kids haven't hit these moments yet in their life. But every adult knows what it means to think we know what's what until life gets real. Until life gets sudden. And comes at you fast. Or as uh, Mike Tyson was known to say, everybody's got a plan and go, they get punched in the face. The first confusion that we see on Easter morning is when Jesus' friends come to the tomb. And we read in Luke 24, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And, the, and these are the women that saw, watched Jesus be laid in this tomb. They knew where it was that they needed to go. 
And we read, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed. What a word. While they were perplexed by this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. First of all, I see in this, I hope you see in this, that we see God's ways can be perplexing because the tomb was empty. In other words, we know that because the tomb was empty, this was a God thing. God was at work here. So why did he have to make it perplexing? The women that followed Jesus most closely, closely, where they were at a loss. They're not finding Jesus. And all they saw that was what had been left, an empty tomb. The reaction here, perplexed, means a confused state of mind. To be at a loss, to be in doubt, to be uncertain. Like, okay, I thought he was the Messiah, then he died. And then I thought... Okay, this is where the natural course of things happen. You put somebody in the tomb, they stay there. Then they're not. Now I don't know what's going on. I'm perplexed. Kids, your parents would be very impressed if you used that word at some point today. Perplexed. We learn later that Jesus' body had been raised to life again as a sign of God's power and grace. As Peter tells the very people that crucified him in Acts 2, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, Peter says, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Because the tomb is empty, we know that God was involved and had planned the whole arrest and death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because the tomb was empty, we know that God is free to break any rule that the world works by. We call these miracles. And this is the ultimate one. Because the tomb was empty, we generally wonder why God doesn't break the rules when we think that he should. You ever think that? God Can't you break one of those rules right now? Can't you bring a miracle right now? Why doesn't he open the doors that we think he should? Why doesn't he make a way through things when we think he should? Why doesn't he do work that's never not perplexing? Why doesn't he keep me from getting perplexed? The answer is the same as the answer that's for, for the, the question, why did God raise Jesus from the dead? Because he is God. And God is not going to let his holy ones see corruption. He was not going to let Jesus stay dead. And because the tomb is empty, we can trust that his ways are higher than ours. We can trust that he's involved even when it is perplexing. He never promised to keep things from being confusing. Well, the emotional roller coaster wasn't over for these special ladies. 
we see God's ways can also be frightening because the tomb was empty. In other words, because the tomb was empty, we know God was in on this. We know God was doing something, but it involved them being frightened. So we can take from that, God's ways can often be frightening. And we know that because the tomb was empty. We see, as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, these men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how they told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? Once again, the women are told, you were expecting to find him, but all they found wasn't there. Jesus wasn't there. I, I think Luke is... He's kind of having a, some fun with how he tells this story. Everything is just what isn't there. The other gospel accounts will tell of how Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Another gospel account will tell of how Jesus appears to the other women. But Luke just talks about what's not there. What's confusing about it. Do you think the angels broke some sort of rule when they frightened these ladies? Do you think they said to another one, oh no, now we're in trouble. We broke rule number one. You're not supposed to make Jesus' friends frightened. No, that was kind of a part of the, the thing. That was par for the course. Being a little scared. Because God was at work. Just as he is today. No, we often end up frightened in frightening situations when we deal with things that only God can handle. Let me say that again. We often end up in frightening situations when we're dealing with things that only God can handle. And the glorious announcement of Jesus' resurrection, it, took, it was a bit startling. But just, just as the announcement of his birth was, was remember? You have to wonder if one angel said to another, you know, compared to these, the shepherds, these ladies handled it pretty well. Those shepherds were freaked out. For, for some, the idea that God would have a purpose in what is startling is frightening too. I mean, who wants to be scared? We know that God had a purpose in all of Jesus' sufferings. And the truth is, is that God allows us to go through what we do so that we will trust him alone. As 1 Peter 1 describes God as the one who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him glory. Why? So that your faith and hope are in God. You see, because the tomb is empty, we know that Jesus' brutal death was a part of God's perfect plan. Because the tomb is empty, we know that God can be in control of even the worst actions taken by sinful people. We know that for a fact because the tomb is empty. That's what is meant by the angel's statement. Remember how he told you. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. 
It can be frightening to think that God could decide to allow pain and suffering for his glory. But it's certainly a lot better than, of a comfort than to think that bad events just mean that God must have slipped up somewhere. That's not true. It might be unsettling to think that God can lead you into a difficult season for his glory. But it's far more comforting than the idea that difficulty must mean that we're all alone in this. I'm not choosing to tell you this because it's comforting. I'm choosing to tell you this because it's the truth. Galatians 2.20 actually tells us that if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you get to live his resurrection life. Where we're told, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Well, the confusion and fear, it didn't last very long on that resurrection morning. We continue reading, and they remembered these, his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. Do you see what the other grief these friends of Jesus experienced? They couldn't convince their friends of the truth that they had seen, that they had experienced. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you can identify with this frustration of not being able to express, not being able to help someone understand what it is that you have seen, that you have experienced. So what happened later that day? Well, Jesus goes on to frighten his followers where they were gathered. More frightening. Great. Luke just seems to enjoy this theme. We read about Jesus' followers in the place where they had fled. They had locked the doors, but still Jesus showed up. We read in verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. They didn't listen to him. They were startled, it says, and frightened, and they thought they'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were disbelieving for joy, it's not they were like, uh-uh, we don't, we don't care about you anymore. No, they're disbelieving because it's too much joy to them. And were marveling. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? So Luke, who's a physician, he wants to show Jesus has a real flesh and bones body here. And it says, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it before them. He's like, see, can a ghost do that? And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. We've seen how the tomb being empty turned Jesus' followers' fear and confusion into purpose and joy. Now we, I'd like to explain quickly the difference that is made today because of the tomb being empty. Just real quickly here. We see Jesus bring it together in 46 through 47. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. What does that mean? Well, because the tomb is empty, the threat of physical death can be empty. We were created with a life-giving connection with God, our Creator. You see, in place of that life-giving relationship with God, we chose sin and rebellion. And that choice left us unplugged from God, unplugged from our life source, and dying apart from Him. And once the dwindling life leaves our body, the body goes into decay. That's why we put bodies into graves. They're not very nice once the life leaves them. But God stepped back into our world in the person of Jesus. He took the penalty of our sin and died the death that we deserve. And he was put in a tomb, the place where you put a dead body. And in his resurrection, Jesus was shown to have conquered sin and conquered death by raising him from the dead. And now each person can have the opportunity to escape the threat of physical death, of it being final, that's it, no more opportunities to come to know Christ. And each person has the opportunity to live eternally with God by receiving Christ as their Savior. You know, me and a lot of the men were at the Forum restaurant. We eat there on Tuesday mornings. And this guy walks in. And he says, folks, I've had a great week. Just want to let you know, breakfast is on me. I mean, the whole restaurant. Yeah, it was crazy. It was nice to, to thank him, and, and as people were leaving, you know, and um, finishing up, they'd walk over to the table, and they thanked him for that. And he goes up there to pay, and, you know, he's like, okay, so what's the bill for everybody? And he, and he pays it. Now, what if he had noticed a guy washing dishes in the back? You're like, what, what about that guy? Well, he, he forgot his wallet this morning. But he was here before you came to offer to pay for everybody. And he said, no, 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 let me pay his bill, too. They say, okay, bud, you're free. You know, your bill's been paid. Then he looks up and he's like, hey, who are the pictures of these people behind the cashier? Oh, those are the people we don't serve anymore. They've come in here and they have left us with their tab so many times. He says, okay, let me pay their bills too. How much do they owe? And he pays theirs as well. I mean, that would be over and above 
above and beyond, wouldn't it? You see, that's how it is with Jesus. That's why it had to be God himself to pay the penalty of your sin. Because it wasn't just yours. It was somebody else's. And if I had tried to pay the penalty of your sin, guess what? It wouldn't have worked because I owe the I owe death for my own sin. I would have just been paying for myself. Jesus, being almighty and eternal, he was able to pay the penalty for every person's sin for all of time. And the tomb being empty is like a debit card running through that machine and not getting rejected, but running through and saying approved. Because if a debit card gets approved, it means the funds are there. And that's what the resurrection was. Payment approved. Last thing I just want to communicate, because the tomb is empty, not only can we have, have the threat of physical death be empty. Because the tomb is empty, the emptiness of spiritual death can be filled. The emptiness within you can be filled because the tomb is empty. We were created for a relationship with God. We chose sin instead of that relationship. And that choice left us empty on the inside where our relationship with God used to fill us. And that choice ensured that each one of us will leave this earth and fill some sort of grave. But in the cross, Jesus stepped back into our world and made an offering of himself, taking on the penalty of that separation from his father on the cross. And prayed and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake, why did God the Father forsake God the Son? Because he was taking our spiritual separation from God in that moment. And in the resurrection, he left the tomb empty as proof of his offering being acceptable to God. And Romans 10.9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why is that saving? Because it connects you in that relationship with God again. As your father, rather than your judge. If you were to travel to Johnson City, you might see a place called Bowman Jewelers. That's my kinfolk in Johnson City. I know there's Bowmans around here, but I always say my kin are from East Tennessee. And I remember watching my uncle in the process of making a ring. And see, when they make a ring, you kids might not know this, they actually make it out of wax. They'll sit there and they'll take a block of wax and they'll start to carve it. And my uncle would carve the ring out of wax. And then he would take that wax and he would take clay and he would pack clay around that wax ring. And he'd make sure there was a little hole in there for it. And then he would take that clay and he would stick it in an oven. And he would heat it up. You know what would happen to that wax? 
Well, the clay would have been hardened, so it would have stayed hard, but the wax would melt. And then he'd simply take that mold and pour the wax out of it. And then he would take some gold, and he would heat that up and melt it down, and he would pour that gold into the mold. And that gold would fill all the places where the wax had filled. And that's how you make a ring. Here's what happened. God shaped us as the most important part of his created order in his image. He shaped you exactly the way you were made to be. And he placed it within the first man and woman. There was a place that only God filled because God took himself and it's like he wrapped flesh around himself. And he made man and woman. But when we chose rebellion, when we chose sin, it was like heating up that wax. And it was like it drained God out of the middle of us. But that shape that is left on the inside of us, it is a shape that only God can fill. And we try to fill it with all sorts of things. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with uh, fun-seeking. We try to fill it with thrill rides. We try to fill it with, with just one thrill after another. We try to fill it with work. We try to fill it with, with children and grandchildren. And, and much as I love my grandkids, they can't fill that spot. What had to happen? In the same way that sin was the problem that melted that wax, Jesus had to go through the melting process of living on this earth, living in our place, living in our pain, living in our problems, living in our suffering, so that he could be made as our Savior to be able to fill that hole in us again. The way that we receive Christ as our Savior is we repent. We say, Lord, I am sorry. I repent of all the stuff that I have been trying to fill this hole with. All of the rebellion, all of the doing it my way, all of the my own definitions, my own way of doing things. Lord, I want you to fill me again. I know that Jesus did what he did and he rose from the dead so that I could be filled with you again. Because the fact is, because the tomb is empty, the emptiness of spiritual death can be filled. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for my my little friends here that have sat so well and quietly and and paid such good attention and that deserve dessert today before they get lunch. Lord, thank you for doing everything that needed to be done to fill our emptiness. Thank you, Lord, for doing everything that needed to be done to take our fear of physical death away. But Lord, we know that you have put it in our court. We know that you have left it to us to recognize that we cannot fill that hole. To recognize that we are the problem. Our sin is the problem. 
but to recognize that you have done everything that need be so that we can walk through that door and have you as our Father again. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I need Jesus to fill this hole, I want to encourage you to pray with me. In your heart, pray, Lord, I repent. I turn away from the things that I've been trying to fill my life with. I need Jesus to fill me again. Thank you for sending him to die for my sins and rising from the dead. Lord, I pray that you would make me your child and enter my life today. And Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.